Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Y'all missed it right at the end. It cut it off, but it, at the end, it, she goes, "At least I didn't pee my pants." And then, uh, well, I can say that this service because my mom comes first service, so she's not hearing me saying that in second service. <laughs> Life is a, a series of ups and downs, and in and outs. And I don't know if you've discovered this yet, but life seems to be this big cycle of loops, uh, turns, and shifts that sling us in different directions. And a lot of times, the directions we didn't anticipate. Uh, I, I, let me just talk to you about my life. I, I don't know about your life, but my life feels like an, am, an amusement ride at times. I'm not talking about one of those little kitty rides. I'm talking about one of those white knuckle, hold on for dear life, scream your head off, close your eyes, and pray you don't die kind of ride. Anybody else experiencing that in life? Uh, yeah, I thought so. It's, uh, you know, we ought to expect it because the wisest man that ever walked the planet in Ecclesiastes, he tells us that life is going to be this wild ride of tears and laughter and birth and death and healing and killing. In fact, 29 mutually opposed seasons is what he describes for us. That's a wild, crazy ride, this high highs and low lows. And most of us, if we were honest, if we were transparent, just would say, you know what we wish? We wished it would level out sometimes. I, I enjoy the high highs. I don't enjoy the low lows. God, if you could just step into my life somehow, some shape or form, and help this thing to level out because it seems like all the time it's just this way up high and then a whoom, way down low. And I just needed to settle down and settle and level out. You know, we ought to know, you know, in children's church, those of you that grew up in church, we used to, we used to sing this song, uh, because, see, it seems like our joy level is attached to what season we're facing. If we're facing a high, high, we have a lot of joy. If it's a low, low, we seem to have no joy at all. And, and you would think it would be different because we sang in children's church that I got the joy, joy, joy down in my heart. You remember the last phrase? To stay. But what I've noticed is that most of us can't keep joy. It's not that we don't ever encounter or experience joy. We just don't have the ability, it doesn't seem, even though we sang that we would, to keep joy. And it's into that wild ride of life that Jesus walks onto the scene. 
And in one of his statements that he makes while he's here, he reveals to us that he has the ability to level things out. We, we look to Jesus for a whole lot of things, and rightfully so. We look to Jesus for salvation. He's the only one that brings salvation. You know that. We look to him for that, and we should. We look to Jesus for healing because we know that by his stripes we are healed. And yet we seem to have forgotten that he makes a promise to us in John chapter 15 that may perhaps be one of the greatest promises other than salvation, and maybe, maybe it's even greater than healing because the promise he makes in John chapter 15 verse 11 even surpasses healing because how many of you know that the promise in chapter 15 verse 11 can stay even when you're sick he makes this great promise I'm going to read it to you but but my my challenge to you this morning is that even though we hear the promise and we've heard the promise and sung about the promise we continue to run on empty and therein lies the problem here's the promise John chapter 15 verse 11 says this he says, I have told you this so that, your joy, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. He goes on in a different version. It says it this way. I've told you these things for a purpose, that my joy might be your joy and your joy wholly mature. Or in this other version says this. These things I've spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be Oh, I, I love this passage of Scripture because Jesus has come along and he's offered this joy ride. And what, the reason I love it, and most of you love it too, you learned it as a young child to be able to quote that, that Jesus can, that, that my joy may be full. You've learned to quote that. We fixate on the promise. And we fail to live in the promise. Because we fail to back up and recognize that every time Jesus makes a promise, there's a condition attached to the... I already started preaching and y'all are still thinking about the video. Uh, th there is a promise. He can make my joy complete. He can make my joy full. He can make my joy mature. But there's a prerequisite to that joy. Jesus has this ability to, 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 to make our joy complete, and yet we continue to run on empty. So we begin to question, Jesus, what's wrong with you? You said you had this promise. I know you bring salvation. You even say you bring healing. You said I could have fullness of joy. I can believe you for healing, and I can believe you for salvation. But my joy level's so low, I'm wondering if you can't come through. The issue is that we grab onto the promise, and we never stop to read the first part of what Jesus said. Because I like the promise of fullness of joy. I like that part. I don't like what he said before. Because what he says is this, I have told you this. Well, what has he told us? I've told you these things on purpose so that it, once you hear these things and apply these things, then your joy will be complete. We skip over that part and we jump on, you can make my joy full. And we never go back to read what he told us on purpose. So let's back up. Let's see what he says. John chapter 15, verse 1 through 10. I like verse 11. Don't like 1 through 10. He says this. I am the real vine, and my father is the farmer. He cuts off every branch of me that doesn't bear grapes. I already don't like it. And every branch that is grape-bearing, he prunes back, so it will bear even more. Don't like that part either. You are already pruned back by the message I have spoken. Live in me. Make your home in me, just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch cannot bear grapes 
by itself, but only being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. I am the vine. You are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood gathered up and thrown on the bonfire. But if you make yourselves at home with me and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. This is how my Father shows who he is when you produce grapes, when you're mature as my disciples. I've loved you the way my Father has loved me. Make yourself at home in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain intimately at home in my love. That's what I've done, kept my Father's commands, and made myself at home in his love. Jesus promises us fullness of joy but he tells us things before the promise that become prerequisites for us obtaining the joy the reason that most of us really don't experience fullness of joy is because we're expecting him to give us the promise without meeting the conditions oh I about, about hurt myself right there we want him to do what he said he would do without us doing what he... Never mind, I'll, I'll get there. There are two pre prerequisites, all right? He, he says in verses 1 through 10, verse 11 is the promise. I will give you fullness of joy. In verses 1 through 10, he lays out two prerequisites that we have to fulfill to get the joy. Are you ready? Say yeah. Okay, I know you're not ready, but I'm going to give them to you anyway because I wasn't ready. I don't like them. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just trying to help you. I'm just going to tell you what the Word says. He says, if you want fullness of joy, you must be pruned. Pruned if you do. Pruned if you don't. Anybody want to volunteer? This is an illustrated message. I need one really brave volunteer. <laughs> See, Jesus says that I can make your joy complete but in order for your joy to become complete you have to be willing to embrace being pruned in other words what he's saying is that Jesus makes it clear that our father in our best interest will make cuts out of our life so that he can make room for joy in other words God removes things some of you just lost all ability to have any joy right there because we like God as an adding God but we do not like God as a subtracting God as long as God is adding things to my life like God add a new car to my life and I'll have joy God add new friends to my life and I'll have joy God if you could give me more money I would have more joy God if you'd give me the right job I would have if you would promote me I would have joy but what Jesus says is you've got to come to the place where you trust the father enough to say God if it's necessary to remove things or to remove people out of my life I can trust you to the level that I recognize your doing it for my good and if I let you cut those things away then you'll produce joy are y'all here this morning see we have joy until God begins to remove some stuff as long as he's adding things we smile and dance and we can worship with the best of them but as I can almost always tell when somebody's being pruned by the way they come to worship on Sunday 
because we don't like being pruned. But Jesus said being pruned is a prerequisite to having fullness of joy. It's when he cuts things off that we like. Oh, cut the sickness out of my life, Jesus. That's an easy prayer, y'all. But what if it's something you like? It's when he cuts stuff off that we like that he has determined is stunting our growth that most of us become angry and despondent and depressed. And if we're not careful, we are even tempted to walk right out of the vineyard altogether because we don't like God to cut some stuff off. Let a death come along that we didn't anticipate and we weren't ready for, we lose our joy. Let a breakup take place rather than a hookup, we lose our joy. Let a firing take place when we were expecting and anticipating a promotion, and we lose our joy. Let sickness linger when we were believing for health, we lose our joy. Let a zig come when we were anticipating a zag and we lose our joy. Jesus re realizes and recognizes this for us and tries to inform us that our joy is dependent upon us trusting God enough to know that when we're in our Father's hands, the Word declares that He will not harm us. And so if He's trying to cut some stuff off, we got to quit fighting God and let him remove some things and remove some people out of our life because it's at our best interest. Some of you have been fighting God for decades. He's been trying to get some folks out of your life and you want to hand God your cell phone and select the people you want him to cut off and he's got somebody else in mind and at the moment he tries to break it off, you fight him and you lose your joy because you didn't meet the prerequisite. Boy, if it stopped right there, I'd be happy, except only problem is, is that Jesus also points out, and this is the really hard one to accept, is that this, God doesn't just cut things off when they're going bad. He prunes us when things are going good. He says, while you're bearing grapes, you're being fruitful, and he will prune you back so you will bear more. That, that means that, 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 that right at the time when you thought everything was going as good as it can go and right at the time when you had the most favor at work and right at the time when you thought you were making a name for yourself and right at the time you were getting noticed and right at the time you were enjoying life more than you've ever enjoyed it before, Jesus said that God will walk into the room and he will prune things out of your life. God, don't, don't jack with me when everything's going all right. I don't mind you cutting stuff off when my life is being destructive. Let me hand you the microphone phone and most of you could name something that you'd be honest enough and say that thing is ruining my life go ahead and cut that off God I'm good with it but what if God has walked in the room and says I'm taking this away and you're going I like that that thing helps me my identity is wrapped up in that thing and Jesus says if you want fullness of joy you have to be willing to embrace Pruning. Give me joy. Just don't cut anything away. You'll never have joy. Give me fullness of joy. Jesus, you promised, but you can't have so-and-so because he's cute in those jeans. You won't have joy.
And then he goes on and he says, not only is there the prerequisite of being pruned, the second prerequisite is this. We must be rooted in him. We want joy without the requirement of being rooted in Jesus. I know we know how to quote scripture. In him we live and move. Y'all know it. And have our being. And yet my question and my challenge to you this morning is do we live? Do we really live that rooted in Jesus? Jesus says, I've told you these things on purpose so that you can have fullness of joy. What has he told us on purpose? Number one, he's told us you've got to be pruned. He, secondly, he says, not only do you have to be pruned, you've got to be rooted in me. Verses 1 through 10, what he does is he uses the language of connection. Listen to what he says. I'm not going to read it all to you again, just some, some of the phrases he uses. He says, live in me. He says, connected to me. He says, make your home in me. He uses the word intimate. In using these words, he drives home the fact that our life separated from Christ cannot be full of joy. Period. We amen that, but we don't live like that. Because we become rooted in everything else. I'm rooted in the size of my house. And I'm rooted in the brand of my car. And I'm rooted in how many friends I have on Facebook. And I'm rooted in how many followers I have on Twitter. And we don't live rooted in Christ because he says separated from me you cannot produce. And if you can't produce fruit then you can't produce joy. See I, I'm convinced that we want Jesus to be the basis of our church life. But I'm also convinced that most of us never allow Jesus to have anything to do with our home life and our work life and our leisure life. And the way that we live is dramatically opposed to the way of living that Jesus says will bring fullness of joy. So how do we know? If we're rooted, see if I if I if I was if I if I wanted to put you in the spot, I'd just say, "How many of you are rooted in Christ?" And we would all throw up our hands. Yes. Well, how do you know? How do you know if you're really rooted in Christ? How? Well, the thing I love about Jesus is He doesn't put prerequisites on us and not tell us what they are. Jesus in this passage. He, he, he realizes that it's going to be easy for us to claim rootedness. So what he does is he gives us two standards by which we are able to determine our level of rootedness. So he says, look, if you want fullness of joy, then I'm gonna, you're going to have to come to the place where you embrace pruning. But now, not only that, you're going to have to become rooted in me. So Jesus, how do I, get, how do I know if I'm really rooted in you? Two things, and then I'll get out of your way. He says there are two ways to position yourself for fullness of joy. The first one is this. He says, his words are at home in you. Well, what does that mean, Jesus? Let me say it in a way that may make sense. Hear me carefully this morning. Your level of joy is directly proportional to the word that has made its home in you. That's stinking good preaching. 
I'm telling you right now, your level of joy is determined by how much word is in you. Let me say it in a way you understand. No joy equals no word or vice versa. No word equals no joy. Little word. Well, I just pull out one of those little things out of the little bread. Y'all don't have those anymore. They, I know y'all too young to even I'm getting old. I, we had the, the, the promise loaves that sat in the table. Pull one out and read it. Little word. Little joy. Much word. Much joy. Jesus says his words have to find a residence in you the, the, your ability to, to, to provide a residence for God's word is the platform upon which you develop a rootedness in him that's why David understood this listen to what David says in Psalm chapter 119 verse 28 he said this he said I weep with sorrow I thought you were preaching about joy I am but how many of you know you can sit in a church service week after week and talk about joy but you're still going to have some sorrow so what's the remedy? How do we have fullness of joy when things are going bad? How do we have fullness of joy when life throws us a curve? David got the answer. He recognized that all of this is leveled out. And he says, I weep with sorrow. Encourage me with your word. Some of you think that your encouragement's going to come when you show up here on Sunday and somebody walks by and taps you on the back and says, be encouraged. And it gets you through to about 2 o'clock this afternoon. And then life comes slammed back into your room. And all of a sudden you've lost all your courage. And now there's sorrow and there's depression. And some of you come in here thinking, if we can just sing the song I like, and if I could get the pastor to lay his hands on me, I might make it till Tuesday. And by Friday you want to kill everybody. And you're just praying, oh, God, give me back to church. Why don't you instead get some word? Because it's his word that we live on. And it's his word that sustains us. And it's his word that nourishes us. You've got to crack open the word for yourself and make a home in your life for the word. Because David said his word can encourage you right in the midst of sorrow. David must have taught Solomon that because Solomon comes along in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, 22, and says this. He says, My son, attend to my words. Incline your ears unto my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life, life unto you. And those that find them and health to all their flesh. Solomon understood that it's his word that causes us to be rooted in Christ. A wordless life can't help but be a joyless life. It's when and only when your life becomes a residence of His Word that you can find real and lasting joy. Only His Word can bring joy. Only His Word can produce joy right in the middle of mourning. Only His Word can wipe sorrow away. Only His Word brings life. Only His Word is a strong tower. Only His Word is a, is a, is a fortress. Only His Word is something that I can run to and be safe. His Word. That's how you know whether you're rooted in Christ. Number one is do you have any word in you? I didn't say the pastor gave you a word. I didn't say a prophet gave you a word. I said you made a home in your own life for his word. Some of you are running around to and fro hoping somebody would do the hard work of giving you a word. Get your own word. It's right there in your living room on your coffee table. 
says that's that's one way you know you're rooted. The second way, I, the, the, the order is interesting to me. He says you, the word's got to make a home in you. But then he says this. He says not only can you show and prove that you're rooted because the word has a home in you. He says the second way that you'll know you're rooted is this. We become obedient to his command. Wow. We must obey his commandments. Our joy is dependent on obedience. You would think that those of us that were parents, that our parents, would understand this concept. Let me just ask you, those of you that have children, how many of you, when your children disobey, experience fullness of joy? Thank you for not cleaning your room after I've told you 19,000 times. Punch you right in the throat. How many of you, after you've, you've begged and pleaded for your child to obey and they willingly disobey, are full of joy? And how many of your children are full of joy? Yeah, not, not my kids. Have belt. We'll use it. Right? Okay. We understand that as parents. Then why are we so surprised? That as his children, when we refuse to obey, we have no joy. I'm preaching this thing this morning. We See, see when we fail to obey, there is no platform for sustained joy. Every promise God has ever made comes with a blessing and a cursing. And it doesn't matter how many times I would love to pray you out of the cursing. If you don't obey, obey what he said to do, you will always find yourself in the cursing. Fast all you want to. Read as much word as you want to. Go visit every prophet on the planet. And they can prophesy over you all they want to and tell you you're going to be blessed. But if you are not obeying, you will not find yourself fullness of joy or blessing. You will be cursed and we can't seem to connect the dots let me see if I can help you see when we fail to obey his command to forgive then why are we surprised our life is full of bitterness see I was talking about somebody else now I'm talking about you we can't seem to figure that out I, I don't understand pastor I'm, my life He says to give. Oh, shoot, I knew it. I shouldn't have come to church today. He's going to talk about money, and I obey God in every aspect of my life except for what he says about my money because I'm a better banker than he is. And then we find our life is full of lack, and we can't seem to connect the dots and understand why. I got a raise, but I just can't seem to. He says to connect. But you can't live in isolation. And yet we'll pull out and try to live all by ourselves. He says to honor. And yet our life is full of no favor and we don't know why. It's, uh, can, can I just be, okay, confessions of a pastor. I just want to tell you that it is growing more and more comical to me. Maybe it shouldn't be. I don't like to see people hurt, don't get me wrong. But it is becoming more and more comical to me that in the conversations I have with people and they tell me their issues, that when you spend about 15 seconds with them and talk to them about their issues and you start digging, 
and you figure out that their issues are traceable to a moment of disobedience and they want you to pray it out of them get them out of the trouble God no give them some more because they ain't woke up yet their disobedience there God are y'all with me this morning we know this as parents and yet we want to continue to live as if we're rooted in Christ but we can disobey what he says obedience is the key component to joy I got a promise for you this morning Jesus can fill your life with joy if you obey and if you disobey it's here's an old one for you it's Katie bar the door that means he'll beat the mess out of you because he loves us that much it's interesting to me the way that Jesus does this because what Jesus does is he puts them in order he says this is how you show you're rooted you make a place in your life a home for the word and then you obey the commands because how many of you know you can't obey the commands if you don't know the commands and what I'm trying to challenge you this morning is that you've got to get down into the word and you've got to begin to read the word and establish a residence of in, in your life for the word so that you will live in obedience you cannot live in obedience unless you know what he's calling you to be obedient to Jesus desires to give us fullness of joy complete joy whole joy I love John 15 11b I'm not happy about John 15 11a which says I've told you these things on purpose we don't like that part of the verse and so we continue to run on I believe that Jesus' declaration that he can give us fullness of joy issues a wake-up call. I believe in that passage of Scripture, in that promise, there is a challenge. Hang with me just a moment, and I'll get out of your way. But if Jesus says he can make your joy full, then doesn't it stand the reason that your joy can be less than full? See, I want to challenge you today because I believe that what has happened is that many of us today are living at a lower level than what Jesus has made available to us. And what we do is we convince ourselves that we have full joy when we don't. And we call ourselves blessed when we're not. And because of that, we live at a lower level than what he called and we make it through life and we never encounter fullness of joy. And what I want to challenge you this morning is don't accept less than full. And worse yet, please quit calling empty full. See, I think too many of us have grown way too comfortable in a wordless life. And I think too many of us have grown comfortable in a disobedient life. And worse than maybe all of that, I think many of us have moments of joy. Fleeting joy. Or seconds of happiness. And we accept that. That's what Jesus promised when Jesus said, I can make your joy full. Joy unspeakable. 
We don't sing it anymore. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. When's the last time, if ever, you had that kind, so much joy that you can't even talk about it. You just kind of glow. People bump into you. Things are going bad in your life or things are going great in your life. doesn't matter because this is not happiness. This is joy. And how many of you know happiness is dependent totally upon your current situation? So when your situation changes, you can either have happiness or not have happiness. But this is a deep-rooted, residence joy in your life so that now everything that's going bad or everything that's going good, when people bump into you, you can't even articulate what's going on. All they do is go, that guy is crazy because if I was going through what he's going through, I would have already gone down for the last time and instead of going down for the last time, he's still singing and he's still dancing and he's still glorifying God. What's wrong with him? And I want it. Whatever he's smoking, <laughs> I want me some of that. He's got the good stuff. They've been serving me the bad stuff. I want what he's got. If we could, when is the last time that your life was so marked by fullness of joy that that describes you? And if the answer is never or a long time, then I want to challenge you this morning that what Jesus is trying to convince us that needs to happen is, one, you probably need to be pruned. And second, you probably need more word. And third, you probably just need to simply obey. And when you establish the prerequisites, God can't help but walk in and bless you with fullness of joy. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired of living on empty when he promised me full. Father, this morning, help us. God, under the sound of my voice, there are some folks that need to hear this. I know it. I've needed it. God, I pray this morning we would quit fighting pruning. It's painful. It hurts when you cut stuff off we want. It hurts when you break relationships up we thought were essential. But God, I give you permission this morning to remove things out of my life that you deem necessary for growth. Prod me to grow. God, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice. Prod them to grow. Whether things are going bad or whether it's the best season of their life, if something needs to be cut off, if it's a distraction, if it's a deterrent, if it's something we attach to rather than attaching to you, God, cut it off. Remove it. Father, I pray you would challenge us today to do a word check. God, if there's anybody in this room that's just been dependent on me to give them enough word to get through their whole work week, I pray this morning you would challenge them that that's not enough word. There's fresh manna for tomorrow. God, help us to make a home. We have time for everything else but your word. I have time to check my Facebook.
make me hungry for your word again. Establish the foundation of your word in my life again. Let me become dependent on your word, not the word of a man, your word. Wipe sorrow out of my life through your word. Wipe tears out of my life with your word. Wipe fear out of my life with your word. God, I pray that I would become obedient once again to your commands. God, I pray over every person that's listening to me today, I pray that right now they would quit trying to negotiate you out of your commands. And Father, I pray that we would become a people of obedience, and if you say to forgive, we'll forgive. Even though it hurts, we'll forgive. I pray that people's faces would pop up in people's minds right now that have hurt them, and I pray that bitterness would be wiped away in this moment of forgiveness, and I pray that right now, you said we had to forgive to be forgiven. Help us to forgive once and for all right now. I know what they did hurt, but I pray that right now, forgiveness, obey, forgiveness, Father. If you say to give, I'll give until it hurts. God, if you say to serve, I'll serve. Say to honor. I don't like them, but you said to honor. I'll honor them anyway. God, I pray that our obedience would become the platform upon which joy would come into our life, and you would fill all of our emptiness today with great joy. Father, I pray that you would live up to your word in June that we read over the last month, that you would present us with great joy in Jesus name would you stand with me this morning we're going to do two things very quickly and then I'll get out of here quickly stand 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 every head bowed every eye closed nobody looking around except the prayer team Jesus makes it abundantly clear he says if you're not connected to him you cannot be fruitful if you're here and you do not know Jesus you've never asked Jesus to become the Lord the King the Savior of your life I've got some really bad news for you. It doesn't matter how famous you become. It doesn't matter how many cars you have. It doesn't matter what kind of house you live in. It doesn't matter who your friends are. You will never be fulfilled without Jesus. He's what brings life. He's your only hope. Everything else will leave you completely unsatisfied. If you're here this morning, we will not embarrass you. We just want to pray intelligently and put some materials in your hand. If you'd say, Pastor Steve, I need Jesus. I want to make him the Lord. I want to become rooted in him. I want to start this joy run. I need to establish relationship. Would you just quickly raise your hand? Yeah, there's one. Anybody else? Two. Yeah, two. Two this morning. Then it said, I need Jesus. Come on, let's do this together. The Bible says that when, when sinners come home, a party starts. That sounds like joyride to me. Would you help me this morning and let's pray this together. Dear Jesus, I need you. I've tried everything else. It left me empty. I ask you as the one who came and died and rose again for me, I pray fill my life become my savior become my king become my lord give me fullness of joy there's 
nothing magic about that prayer other than this when the Bible declares that when we put our faith in Jesus whether we feel differently or not when we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart at that moment we begin a relationship so Father this morning I thank you for those and I ask that you establish their walk in you and I pray that their life would be forever changed their situation may not change but I pray their life their perspective their reality would change in this very moment I pray you would do that in the name of Jesus now the second thing I want to do in this believer filled room I wonder how many of us would be transparent and honest enough to say I am not living with fullness of joy I recognize that I've been living empty and calling it full and I need more I need Jesus to give me a fresh application of joy and then I will fulfill my part of the responsibility I'll read his word I'll do what he says if you're here this morning and you could join me and say I need fullness of joy would you do me a favor would you just step out here and stand down here with a pastor that needs fullness of joy this morning can you do that I need fullness of joy I don't want to call empty full anymore I want to live full come on just a few more moments we're going to wait on you a moment longer there's some others where my brother's at where the men that try to quit trying to fake it and act like you're all tough and everything you'd say I need some fullness I thought so anybody else that say I, I gotta have he said I could have fullness but I don't want to live at a lower level than what he's promised if he promised me fullness of salvation and I can believe Him for fullness of salvation, then surely He can come through with fullness of joy too. Anybody else? This is how we're going to do this. I told you last week that we are called to loan courage to one another. We're called to loan courage to one another. I also think there are moments where God positions people in our lives to help us and loan up some joy. We don't know how we're going to make it. We're tired of living like this. We're going to allow the Holy Spirit to use us to loan joy. Come on, would you just follow the leading of the Holy Spirit? And if there's somebody up here this morning that, that, that the Holy Spirit's drawing you to, would you step out quickly and get behind them? and lay your hands on them and as they sing we're going to pray we won't keep it forever I promise but I believe at this very moment fullness of joy is ours come on would you believe with me as we pray come on stretch out your hands and pray
God, there's got to be more. God, we've sung it. There's got to be more. We long for the more. God, I pray that in Jesus' name right now, for everybody in this room, whether we feel like we're full of joy or not, I pray that right now we would get a new dose of joy. That, Father, we would have fullness of joy. That we would be able to face life. Let your joy invade our lives, I pray. That we would be at that place that we live where people look and want what we've got. Our joy would almost be unrecognizable. They, they, they don't understand. And they would begin to ask questions and we would be able to loan joy. Loan joy. Loan courage to one another. I pray you would do that. Come on, lay your hands on your neighbor right now, real quickly, and then we'll change. We'll change gears, but lay your hand on your neighbor right now. Father, I quit praying for me, and I pray for my brother or my sister, and I pray that you would allow this week to be full of joy, not happiness. I'm not asking you to make the week perfect. I'm just asking you to give them the kind of joy that surpasses their situation and their circumstance, regardless of what they have to face. I pray that you would fill us with joy and it would show and it would show and it would show and it would show I pray you would do that in Jesus name we ask these things in the life giving joy giving powerful name of Jesus I pray you would do these things by your power in Jesus name and everybody said amen stay right where you are don't move we're supposed to change gears and do an announcement video and take up offering and all that kind of stuff we're not ushers get to the door read your bulletin carefully there's a 40 and over pod meeting for lunch right after service if you're 40 and over you're invited to stay here and eat dinner on the grounds but I'm not going to stop this. Some of these folks have waited way too long for joy. I encourage you to obey. Remain faithful in your giving. If you're here for the first time, go to the green room. We have cookies for you as a way of saying thank you for being here. If you're back for the second time, you come see me. I'll be at the back of the room. I have a pizza, a coupon for a pizza for you to, to say thanks for being back. We love you. Thanks for being here. Have a joyful week. In Jesus' name, you're dismissed. If you can go, if you want to stay, hang out in the presence of God.
Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress.